Hey everyone, and welcome back to The Negotiation. And on today's show, we are talking with Marianne Danko, founder at We Hustle and TechCom. Marianne is originally from Ukraine, and we talk about startup community reverse culture shock given the speed of the ecosystem in China when visiting startup communities outside China. We talk about the investment landscape in China, especially for foreign startups trying to raise money from Chinese VCs. We talk about how the success of startups in China over the last five years or so has drastically changed the impression of the career choice of becoming an entrepreneur. We also discuss the investment winter that arrived in China and the reasons behind the drop-off in the quantity of investment dollars being deployed. We also talk about the state of the VR AR industry in China and why we should expect China to emerge as a leader in artificial intelligence technologies and applications. We also discuss some of the second and third tier cities whose startup ecosystems are doing very well like Chengdu and Hainan and the levers that are making them so successful. Enjoy. AI is the big thing. Why? Because in China, everything happens for a reason. And the reason is the government. So all initiatives come in top down. And whenever you have the initiative and you have the goal to be number one country in AI by 2030, if the government says we want this, what happens is they allocate budget, they create the environment, they change rules. So they give all opportunities for startups to innovate, to play around. And that's exactly what we see right now. Home to over 4 billion people, the Asia-Pacific region boasts one of the most powerful consumer markets on the planet. Not only is it home to half the world's under 30 population, but it's also home to more than half the world's internet users. It's a market no globally-minded brand should ignore. But entering markets like China is no easy task. Just ask the likes of Microsoft, Google, Uber, and Facebook. Times are changing, and with the right partners, doors are slowly opening as more and more companies find success expanding into the markets of the Middle Kingdom. I myself spent eight years in China, mostly as a venture capitalist, helping early-stage tech companies enter the Asia-Pacific market successfully. This show is dedicated to uncovering and examining successful China entry and growth strategies by interviewing the people behind those success stories. My name is Todd Embley, and welcome to The Negotiation, brought to you by WPIC Marketing and Technologies. Marianne, thanks for coming on the show today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You are the founder of We Hustle, correct? Correct. So, I guess quickly, what is We Hustle? Yeah. Uh, we Hustle was not uh, We Hustle since day one. It was a different company. And as a startup, you pivot and learn and fail and change. That would happen to me. Um, so right now, We Hustle is the platform for entrepreneurs, for the platform for innovation for technology. Our big goal uh, to encourage entrepreneurship, innovation, technology in China. And we do it by fostering highest quality pool of innovators. And how we do it, we connect innovators. We have three directions that help us to connect innovators. The first one is offline activities, events. Some of them we run, some of the events are run by different stakeholders of the ecosystem. Um, then we uh, connect innovators through uh, opportunities, job opportunities. If you're a startup looking for a team member or co-founder, or if you're corporate, but you're looking for more um, entrepreneurial minds uh, to join your company. Uh, so that's the place to find the best fit. And then also resources. Um, when I mean resources, it's all the articles, uh, updates, information that much needed for, for entrepreneurs uh, to grow. Because uh, for us, the market is international people. When I say international, it doesn't mean only foreigners, experts. It's also 
Chinese people with international mindset on the ground, they studied abroad, so they're coming back, they want to be engaged more in the international ecosystem. Um, when it comes to international ecosystem here in China, <clears throat> I think there are not much resources that you can tap in and say, okay, um, where do I find the incubators in Shanghai? Where do I find uh, co-working spaces? Where do I find uh, events where I can talk about my startups? Where do I meet investors and media? Um, so not much resources unless you are part of um, China Accelerator or you're part of the Xnode, but not every single startup, not every single entrepreneur part of the uh, particular accelerator incubator. Mm -hmm. So those people, they don't have much resources. Um, for me, I would say I would I spend around three, four years meeting and talking and building up the network connections. So now I feel comfortable. I know who to talk to and where can I go if I need this, this, and this. But if you're starting out and you're not a part of the something, then it's going to be a hard time for you and you as the entrepreneur spending two or three years to build up the basic resources. I think it's kind of um, time consuming. So it sh there should be a shortcut. And that's what we're trying to fill the gap um, to create the platform, um, which is online offline, to help um, entrepreneurs, we, we call them innovators, a bit more general, um, to have all the resources needed to grow faster in the China international ecosystem. What are some of the success stories uh, that you guys have been able to achieve through this unique um, kind of entrance into the startup community that we hustle has had? We are not the accelerator incubator. We don't have the portfolio. Um, we do work with early stage startups. And just give you an example of very um, small thing, but I think that where we contribute the most. Um, there are lots of uh, people who are coming to us and they have, they have I have the idea, I, I have this uh, plan, I, I have this small startup. Um, so they're that small that nobody's working with them yet um, because they don't have probably traction yet. So what we do is we're trying to accelerate the growth and after they already uh, have something, they can join something bigger um, scale, or funding or incubation or acceleration program. Uh, so we have, for example, a group of students um, building AR stuff. Um, so through the connections that we bring them through the events that we organize, they, they pitch the startup, they won the prize, they got um, the prize from um, another incubator that helps them to register the company. So they register actually the company, they got the first uh, client big client sign contract. After they sign the contract, they need to scale up the team because they need to deliver the project. So we help them to hire people. Once they hire people, they deliver the project, that's how they grow. So this is uh, examples that they're not very big, but they're very important because if no one's taking care of them, probably they will never go to this second or third step. Um, so that's where we are fighting. Uh, that's our area. Um, before acceleration incubation program, we are bringing those people together and they give them knowledge resources. Um, the simple example would be as well, uh, one thing that we are doing just now, we finished every Friday morning, eight o'clock, we have the founders breakfast, something very small. Uh, we have usually five, six people getting together and then we can share and update each other on the accomplishments or challenges or ask we have. Um, this is just one of the example, but that's what we do on a regular basis. And um, so this group is growing and everyone is helping each other because they're connecting on different level. But then we have a huge scale events like Tech Home. We're going to do another one in March where we have thousand plus people 
And the purpose is to bring communities, incubators, corporates, and startups in one place and let them mingle, connect. So we do lots of uh, online, offline activities to, to grow the community and connect to all the pieces of this ecosystem. And that's how we help startups to accelerate their growth within this ecosystem. Talk a little bit about what the startup landscape looks like in Shanghai, especially when you get out of China. You know, like if you were to go back home and go back to Ukraine, maybe go back to, to Germany or Berlin or something. Is there a startup community culture shock that you experience because you're so deeply embedded in the fastest moving startup ecosystem in the world? Uh, whenever I go to back to Ukraine, so actually in Ukraine now the startup ecosystem is getting bigger and it's growing. So before it was more when the West was outsourcing everything to East Europe, including Ukraine. So now all those brilliant minds, IT people, which is a big number there now, they start building uh, their own startups. So we have already uh, unicorns. So it, it's getting good. Um, so what I feel like in Shanghai, um, it's that big and it's that affordable. And that is something mm, I would recommend lots of startups to consider to move here. Uh, what I mean is, what I usually say that in Shanghai, the ceiling is quite high and the floor is quite low. Uh, what it means, um, Shanghai is an expensive city, but it can be, it can be cheap if you decide uh, to go that way. Uh, so you can get like very cheap apartment and you can spend 10 kwai to buy, you know, food uh, and it will be okay. So you can survive. So I don't think if uh, Silicon Valley or London or Dubai or Singapore uh, have that opportunities for startups when they can go with their very limited budget. So somehow it's, um, it's a stable, but stable high price for everything. So Shanghai gives you that opportunity that if you want to, to have a good life, you can have a good life. But as a startup, you can afford uh, the minimum cost to spend and, and build the startup. And this is the one thing. The second thing, which is also quite important, if you want to have the international team in China, so it's not that hard to get people from different countries here in terms of visa and regulations, it's still quite easy to get visa and bring people here. Um, opposed to the US, if you want to bring people, uh, international team to the US, I guess it will be uh, more time consuming and probably some of the international team members will not even receive visa. So that, that China is one thing is good for international teams to come here to work on the project. And uh, also the thing is, that Shanghai is that developed now that whenever you have the idea, it's good and it's easy for you to go and talk about it because you have so many events happening. Uh, you can pitch your project every single day at different events. So that will help you to scale up and, and, and get the feedback faster, connect to right people. So the ecosystem is developed, it's affordable, and that's something that gives um, lots of opportunities for international teams in China. Let's talk a little bit about the investment landscape. Specifically, how available are funds to foreign startups in China? I would say the early stage startups, local and foreign startups, they have very different challenges. Uh, if it's a local startups, they don't actually need funds. They can you know, just get their money from the bank and start running the project and if it's scaling then they're looking for startups or for funding 
for the foreign teams, you can't get the bank loans here, obviously. So um, the, the most of the help needed in the early stage for foreign startups, but it's not that easy to get money. Because, um, so first of all, I think the trust issue is quite um, important. When I say trust issue, there are lots of brilliant startups coming here, um, great teams, but they come and go, come and go, come and go. Uh, not many of them staying because of many reasons. Some of them just homesick. Some of them can't stand the pollution. Some of them, um, I know, can't eat spicy food. So the, the thing is, there are lots of reasons that um, probably will not allow these startups to stay for a long time. And Chinese people, Chinese investors, they know about this. And that's why they are not willing to uh, invest right away. Um, in, in foreign startup because they're not sure if this startup will be half a year later down the road still in Shanghai or, or Beijing or, or Shenzhen. Uh, this is the one thing. The second thing as well, so the market now is quite mature in China and uh, all investors, they're looking for uh, something that can't be copied, I would say, right? like deep tech, something unique, technology. Uh, I think it's not only in China, it's across the world. Uh, if Chinese investors, they invest if it can be copied. If it copied, you just, you know, it, it's, it's easy to replicate this business. If they can't copy, they invest. So that's why now tech is quite important. And uh, if you don't have tech, if you don't have a solid team, if you don't have the CTO or senior team with, with, with great experience, then it will be hard for you to look for funding. Can you talk a little bit about how entrepreneurship and becoming an entrepreneur for local Chinese has become welcomed and that it's it's no longer taboo or letting the family down in any way to become an entrepreneur in China if you're Chinese? Yeah, um, that, that's quite interesting. And uh, so there, there are always cycles. It's going up and down, up and down. So 2016, 17, I would say it was on rise, and we had like lots of successful cases with uh, Ofo and Mobike and Didi, and then you have Luckin Coffee. There were lots of big startups, and the tech scene was booming, and uh, that gave that gives uh, lots of encouragement, and lots of people wanted. I want to be entrepreneur. I want to do my startup. I want to be next Luckin. I want to be next Ofo. Um, I think that was a kind of a hype. It was so many people interested in doing the internship, uh, entrepreneurship. Um, I think that allows a lot of people to start their own businesses. And uh, that was the turning point. Uh, so now, surprisingly, I had the interview with um, Ectocus, I guess, a lady, and uh, they work with uh, younger entrepreneurs. They, they work with uh, teenagers and they, they, they teach them design thinking, um, lean startups, methodology, and other things. Mm -hmm. um, and they had the survey among them and they asked, like, do you want to be, do you want to start your own business after you graduate uh, or after university? And actually, most of them said no. And that was the, quite surprising for her and for us as well to hear. But that's just happened recently. So because right now it's going down and uh, we have the capital winter, which everyone is talking about. So I would, I would believe it's just the cycles. 
So this is a good time to filter out uh, those not serious or not really committed people. Um, so who is the surviving the winter capital winter then will be successful or stable or bigger, and then uh, more people will will come again. So it's up and down all the time. So now it's actually yeah it's going down in China. Talk a little bit about that capital winter that you mentioned because uh for those of us that are involved in the scene we've we've known about this we've heard about it coming for quite some time and of course the data has been reflecting that investment uh venture capital investment into early stage um especially at an an early uh seed stage series a stage has shown a dramatic decline or or even a drop off can you speak to a little bit about uh what you know as far as you know, on the ground in China, what is behind this uh, venture capital winter, so-called, uh, happening in China right now? I think it just market getting just matured, and uh, before it was lots of dumb money spent, lots of money burned on something that, since day one, obviously not going to work, just because it's a trend, just because it's a hype, and same as the blockchain, right? Uh, here happened just a couple of years ago. So now what's happening is actually all investors, they already learned the hard way what not to do and how to be more cautious. And I think uh, this is the positive thing for the whole ecosystem because now the, the quality comes up. So it's not about the quantity, it's about the quality now. And uh, if you have a great project, you still have lots of opportunities to get funded. So it's just getting harder to get funding for projects that uh, basically have no f- uh, solid tech behind or, or business plan or real business behind the project. So I, I, I shouldn't be saying that like, oh, guys, there is no way for you to get funding. No, it's, it's not true. It's not true. The, the people are still fun- getting funded and, and good projects are growing. Um, it's more about the quality. And that's, like I said, this is very positive for the whole ecosystem because now the, uh, the ecosystem is matured. Can you talk a little bit about the impact on China being mobile first, mobile only, and what that does uh, as far as the number of startups that you see who are really geared towards developing solutions for mobile? That's pretty much 90% of startups, they are starting out here in China, they start with the apps. They start with the uh, mini programs, which are the part of the WeChat ecosystem. Um, so whenever you, you, you start doing something in China, this is the first thing you develop. I, I know lots of startups, they never had even websites uh, developed. They never thought about it. The only thing they do is basically developing only uh, mobile solutions. And uh, that's the... That's a part of the mindset that people already have here. So it's not the question, it's not the choice, not the option. That's how it is. Um, there the are lots of things as well. People, I guess, uh, they rely mostly on uh, WeChat ecosystem. And I've seen lots of projects, they're starting out just on mini programs, which I think personally is not the best uh, idea to do because then you are limit yourself only to the WeChat ecosystem. Um, but that is a good start because it's affordable. You have huge database. You, you can reach out to millions of clients. Mm-hmm. Mm. So the whole China is mobile. So um, I think for the websites, for the stock versions, it's not much left over there. Uh, this trend is not going to go back a- a- anytime. 
So it will be just going forward. And uh, whenever you are trying to develop something in China, it should be mobile focus, 100%. Is the VR and AR world going to make a big splash anytime soon? And is it possible that China is going to lead the way? Uh, I think 100% it's happening. And it's actually it's going strong now. We have a few startups in our network as well who are doing um, um, a solution based on the AR, VR. And uh, recently, I just had the event together with NetEase. And NetEase, they also have their department. And what they do is they focus more on the uh, advertising and marketing. And they incorporate the AR and VR into the marketing. And they do lots of campaign with the huge brands recently. And those campaigns are quite successful and they're growing. So the cost is still high. So that's why right now only uh, bigger players in the market can allow themselves to to play around and to spend and invest and um, to innovate in that field. But it is happening and big companies are betting a lot on this. And uh, also, we had recently the conversation with uh, Startup Grind. Um, it was the event and uh, IoT and AI and VR, the combination of these technologies are the future. So that's why it's, it's definitely happening and it's growing. And I guess, um, yes, it was the, the period of time when it was like super hyped and there were lots of startups, but then they, they, they die. And now uh, it's coming back, but with uh, bigger scale companies. What is happening in China with regards to AI and how much of an impact is AI having in startup land uh, in China? AI is the big thing. Why? Because in China, everything happens for a reason. And the reason is the government. So all initiatives come in top down. And whenever you have the initiative and you have the goal to be number one country in AI by 2030, uh, if, if it's something that government wants, that it looks like it will happen. Because uh, if the government says we want this, what happens is uh, they allocate budget, they create the environment, they change rules. So they give all opportunities for startups to innovate, to play around. And uh, that's exactly what we see right now. Um, there are lots of crumbs, there are lots of uh, regulations, there are lots of uh, things that are built for, for, for startups to play with AI. Uh, lots of uh, centers open up, lots of incubators open up, um, lots of budgets and funds allocated to this area. And uh, we see more and more uh, startups, local startups that are building solutions based on AI. Uh, we have lots of actually foreign startups that also play with AI over here. And whenever you have AI technology, then you have way more support. Even just very simple example give you, we have startup which is called uh, Edugo AI. So they basically teach uh, Chinese. They build a solution that combines a real uh, teacher with the AI technology. And whenever they have this AI uh, technology incorporated in the, in the startup, they just receive funding from one of the government, local governments. And they are invited every time to, to participate in different events. So the, the team is growing. The, the uh, market share that they have is also growing. So they're doing great. So this is just the one small example, which is uh, 
about AI, but there are more and more um, industries that disrupted by AI. We have lots of startups as well that they're playing with within the HR industry, incorporating the uh, AI technology. Um, so uh, AI is one of the priority for China. And if, if they want to make it happen, they will make it happen. What are some tier two and tier three cities that we might want to be paying more attention to as far as some interesting startup uh, technologies and innovations that might be come from? I mean, we all know about the Shenzhen, Guangzhou, the Guangdong region. Okay. We know about Shanghai. We know about Beijing. Okay. Um, but what are some of the tier two, tier three cities, some of the other places around China that are starting to, starting to impress you with the way they're starting to develop their startup ecosystems? Um, I would definitely should mention Chengdu, uh, one of the fast growing, fast changing city. And we have already Levagon community there. We have Startup Grind community there. We have Startup Weekend. So the, when it comes to the international ecosystem, so we have lots of uh, local players that uh, are there. And uh, so Chengdu is definitely something you look for and it's growing and definitely they also have some ideas about to make Chengdu next uh, Silicon Valley. Um, so that means lots of funds and, and, and activities will be happening over there. So Chengdu is number one. Then you also have uh, lots of things happening in Xi'an, surprisingly, but it's quite active. We have more and more funds. Um, uh, AWS just opened the innovation center together with the Pegasus mm. Ventures over there as well. Mm. Um, surprisingly, uh, but Hainan is something very interesting. It's been already for quite a long time. The government wants to develop that region. So recently, they actually put in more efforts and uh, just a few examples why people should pay attention to Hainan. First of all, this is the part of the Greater Bay Area, which is close to Guangzhou, Shenzhen, uh, uh, Hong Kong. And this is basically what they're trying to do is to make it the gates to the South Asia. So this is the one thing. Uh, right now, the whole Hainan Island is the... Uh, free trade zone. This is the biggest in China. The whole island is free trade zone. Um, that means you have lots of uh, other um, flexibilities in terms of the international trade and, uh, and applying for different certificates, licenses. Um, next thing that is quite interesting about Hainan that right now they're struggling with the bringing companies over there. So what they do is if you want to open a registered company in Shanghai, then you would say, I would say you would spend around three, four weeks to get your business license, which is not that long, but that's what we have. In Hainan, you can get your documents done, business license within a couple of days. So that, that, that means they're trying to even change um, like the, the, the rules and the legal processes to make sure that people are coming there and they feel comfortable. They have everything they need fast and easy. Uh, also, rumors are uh, um, around that in Hainan, they are going to shut down the Great Firewall. Um, again, this is just rumors for now. It's not confirmed, but that's something really big. Because can you imagine if you're in Hainan, so it means you're officially in China, you can play with the China tech and you can play with international global uh, tech ecosystem. You don't need VPN, so you don't have all the issues that we have in the mainland all the time. Uh, when it comes to tech. So that's something big because what they want to do is they want to make Hainan as the entry point to China. So you enter Hainan first, 
you 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 build up prototypes. If it works, you you change, you add it, and then you can scale up to the mainland. So that's something interesting about Hainan, and definitely um, people need to pay attention to it. Also, second and, and third tier cities are quite interesting because right now Shanghai, Beijing, Shenzhen, they're already very structured. They're very matured. So for you as a small startup to survive in Shanghai or Beijing, it's, it's really tough because you're going to spend lots of money on, on, on living costs. Uh, you're going to s- compete with other startups. You don't have much support from the government because they already have enough startups in the ecosystem that pay attention to bigger players, uh, more mature startups. Uh, so if you are foreign startup and if you smaller scale startup, the second, third tier city might be a better option for you because they will support you in different ways. They looking for more startups, so they are welcoming you to come. Uh, so that's why, yeah, again, Hainan, Chengdu, uh, Xi'an, uh, Hangzhou obviously has been already for quite a long time, one of the biggest uh, innovation cities in China just because of Alibaba, but uh, still there are some areas that are still looking for more and more and more new players uh, to come. So I would say those cities are quite um, promising and they're growing fast. Nanjing as well. Um, uh, someone prefer to be not far from Shanghai. Nanjing is the good place to be as well. What is your number one piece of advice for foreign companies to be successful entering China? I would say lots of people, what they do is the big mistake when they come to China, they're trying to do exactly the same thing that they do in their own country. And this is the big mistake. So the first thing you need to do in China, you need to come here and forget everything you know and start from the scratch, learn the Chinese way, how it works. And uh, the also one thing that the market is getting structured. And if you want to be successful, you would definitely will compete with the local entrepreneurs. And in order to be successful, you need to either be um, speaking Chinese, having Chinese partner here in China, and uh, trying to think as the Chinese. That would definitely help you to succeed in China. Excellent advice, buddy. Thank you very, very much for coming on the show. Let our audience know how they can get in touch with you, follow you, see your content, etc. Where can they find you? Um, thank you very much. So I think the best way to connect my LinkedIn profile, it's Marian Danko. It's easy to find. I'm very active over there and uh, I do post a lot about China ecosystem and this is the way to connect to me. Excellent. Marian, thank you very, very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. Growing a company is hard. Doing it in a foreign market? Exponentially so. The best piece of advice I can give you is not to do it alone. When you start looking across the pond for further expansion possibilities, and I sincerely hope that you do, make sure you choose the right partners to do it with. My good friends at WPIC Marketing and Technologies have almost 20 years of experience helping brands just like yours enter China. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Negotiation. And if you're interested in being a guest or want to connect with me or any of our team, please reach out to us at podcast at WPIC.co. And be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Zai Jing.